Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 63 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. I am Sean Hannon, joined again, as always, by the wonderful co-host, Mr. Hughesong. Mr. Hughesong, how was your weekend? Outstanding, as always. That's not really true. Did you uh, partake in any fair festivities, or no. were you doing... Uh, no. Is no. that uh, something you're uh, checked off the list not going to do, or just if uh, something happens, it happens, if not, it not? I generally don't go to the fair anyway. I just don't care. Uh, my kids, every now and then, will ask about it, and like, eh, if we could fit it in, but we... Uh, we didn't have yeah. I mean, I, you I know, mean, you got eighteen. You got eighteen days this year to hooray. go to the fair. So I, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I, I mean, about, I'm, I'm gonna go, but I we have a little little booth at the at the fair, so I'll be over there manning uh, the booth, maskless inside a building. Good. I've been I've been told that the Libertarian Party of New York's uh, booth has been a hundred percent non-compliance. Uh, so far with the mask. Proud of you guys. Good job. <laughs> with the mask. I've also told about 50% of other vendors are also, and uh, visitors are also not sporting masks inside the building. So there's this, there's a, uh, it's more than just our booth. There's a large contingent of maskless folks inside buildings. Yeah, my anecdotal uh, observations have been that early on when they first, the CDC first changed its guidance, I was seeing like 90% of people in grocery stores and such wearing masks. And it seems like now it's lower. Now it seems to be about half. That's that's what I'm seeing is just about a 50-50 split of, I don't know how, I could be wrong. This could be completely unsupported by objective data, but I don't know. It seems yeah. to me that less people are, are going along with it now. Yeah, it's, I've seen that in my local stores uh, fluctuate up and down, so I'm not really sure which way that's going yet. But it's good to hear uh, that people are at the fair. And, and, you know, you've been to the fair, though. You've been to the fair, yeah? Sure. So the buildings are gigantic. Right. It's not like they're you know condensed right there right. and their huge doors are open wide open like it's basically being outside but anyway right, um we it. digress but anyway folks yeah. thank you for joining us uh make sure you hit that uh like and uh share button for the uh, video here get it out to all your friends and family uh helps promote the show um you can also subscribe to the channel you can hit that notification bell and that'll get you uh, notified when we go live uh, with new content or post new content like we did with your uh, little mask clip uh, last week mr Hughesong. yeah as you were taking on the, the, the heavyweight SUNY Upstates and the uh, mask mandates of the world. And the ABC Science Collaborative. Yeah. It's amazing to me how much people just, like, they say, they, they yell at you, they yell at me about, why, why are you so against this? What is wrong with you? And they're like, well, where's the proof? They send it to you, I read it, and go, well, here's my concerns and here's what's wrong with it. And this is why it doesn't hold up whatsoever to even, like, a fifth grade level of logic. This does not compute. And then it's a... Well, just what's the big deal? The big deal is that it's not honest. Listen, I don't think wearing a mask is the end-all, be-all, like, detriment to my existence or, or even to my children. But but being honest is, like, I, I just want honesty. And if you really, if this is the best evidence you have, then you have no evidence. You should not be saying it works if this is the best data you have to support it. Sorry. So, yeah, yeah the mask thing is, is look, I, I don't have to be a scientist to tell you that it's wrong for a scientific organization, allegedly, to look over and say, we know that masks have a significant impact on stopping the spread of COVID in schools because of these five studies. And then in each of the studies, there is at least one line where the authors of the study say, we did not measure the effectiveness of masks in schools. Well, seems important. I, I have no idea what to make of that. This is like... It's mind-boggling to even wrap your brain around to be like, hey, guys, we know for a fact that alcohol is actually super good for you because of these four studies. And then all four studies say we didn't measure the impact of alcohol on any cognitive or, or any other outcome. You'd be looking at me like, that that doesn't make sense. You can't say that that works. Well, well, prove me wrong. Yeah. Well, how do you know that it's wrong? You can't prove that it's false. It's way easier to prove a negative. That's why we always try to do it. It's not on the burden of the proof to, to show me that it works. I have to prove definitively that it doesn't, which by now, again, it's been 20 months. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into the masks a little bit more today, but if you guys missed uh, Ben's rant on masks, uh, go back and watch that video. Uh, it's the most previous video in between here in episode 62. So, right. yeah. Um, how's your crypto? Awesome. 
Yeah, crypto's doing good, right? I mean, we're back up on, uh, uh, we actually dipped back below 50K here this morning, but we were up above 50K uh, Bitcoin-wise uh, uh, over the weekend. Uh, all cryptos seem to have uh, moved in the same direction. We uh, seem to be in a bit of a, a buyer's uh, market, a bull market, if you will. And uh, happy days. Absolutely. Love to see it. Yeah. Did you know that JP Morgan, do you remember JP Morgan in 2017 when Jamie Dimon said he threatened to fire any trader who was trading Bitcoin? I don't know if you remember any of that. No, but if Jamie Dimon's against something, I'm probably for it. Well, so I just want to fast forward to 2021 where JP Morgan is now releasing their crypto newsletter to traders. So, so they find whatever they find important, uh, within the worlds of bitcoin they're sending out to their traders now so it's a different world that jamie diamond was in uh four years ago he's still the, he's still at the top of jp morgan yeah right so nothing's changed there no, no i find that interesting there. i don't know I'm, I'm skimming through the newsletter was printed by zero head so i'm reading some of their newsletters they talk about price action they're talking about walmart looking for a higher crypto expert you know we've, we've touched into some of that i sent you some some like job postings that i find interesting amazon, like amazon yeah. right so um you know just stuff about etfs and uh, other uh you know regulations and rule stuff but anyway it's uh jp morgan uh tapping into the crypto market even though uh their boss says uh he was gonna fire anybody just a mere four years ago we've come a long way baby yeah that's it i said i talked to i was having a conversation with my mom uh today happy birthday mom it's her birthday uh happy birthday. and uh telling me how she was uh invested in cardano at 29 cents <laughs> So we'll have that. It's funny. Anyway, yeah, Cardano. So, Cardano's having a bit of a run here. Yeah. No, she was very happy with I'm her uh, she, her crypto life at the at seventy one years old. So. Almost three bucks a share, yeah. buddy. So We're getting there. Um, seventy two now. Sorry, man. Um, and also in crypto news, I don't know if you saw. Uh, we had another sponsorship deal. What do we got? University of Cal. They uh, signed a naming rights for their stadium with uh, FTX. It's a crypto exchange. So they're, I don't know, $17 million uh, naming rights deal for this uh, stadium. So Pac-10's getting involved in the crypto there. Uh, that's the, uh, what do they call that? The Silicon Valley there, Cal there, right? That's probably in that neck sure. of the woods, yeah. So uh, crypto news. This is not crypto news, but I don't know. Did you have any more crypto news that you want to touch in? Because I want to tie this into the next story. No. No, we All covered right. it. So Let's talk about OnlyFans. We never talked about OnlyFans on this show ever once, I don't think. Um, maybe uh, maybe as a joke in passing, it's something. I'm vaguely aware of what OnlyFans me, is. I, I'm aware of it, but I, I've I, I'm definitely never been there, don't know what it is. I mean, I know what it is. It's a video sharing site, but where it has seeming to uh, take hold is for adult uh, explicit content, especially content, right? <laughs> so, um, But they're getting rid of that. So they're going to prohibit sexually adult content on their shows sure. in large part because they were under pressure or their payment processors were under pressure from new regulations about, uh, I think it had to do with sex trafficking and being able to moderate their content. So in an effort to kind of nip that in the bud, if you will, OnlyFans is now going to prohibit that content and the content that actually made them majority of their money. I think they made something like $2 billion last year and they get 20% of that. It's not a bad gig. No. Um, but broadly, two bigger things. I mean, it's it's interesting just in a sense that this is how it made its name and now it's basically going <laughs> to reinvent itself. Um, yeah, but right. two things. So we talked about crypto. In banking, so this seems to be a fit, and I'm not sure. I'm sure other people are already aware of this and how that could solve this banking issue with sites like OnlyFans that are looking to provide content, um, paid content, who where regulation is hindering the processes of those payments. So I think crypto could be a avenue to financial freedom here for some of these video sharing sites or other sites that want to share. Uh, content that is being threatened by regulations yeah i would think so i think that's the whole advantage of it yeah i think this is kind of this seems like to be this should be a good test case for trying to figure that out you know it turns out that the general public has an appetite for sexually explicit materials and and this you know and, and on a, even on a bigger level i mean i think this did provide a you know a much safer place for sex workers right they're in the privacy of their own home they're with you know, they're in a controlled environment with they're, only they're getting, their fans. Right. I mean, they're right. They, they, you know, this is a, uh, kind of a, uh, 
a mutually agreed upon uh, relationship here. So, um, you know, I, I feel like the, the, there's, there's a, there's a solution in here between all of the uh, things that we just talked about here. That's better than just banning all this stuff anyway. So I, for me, it goes back to this. I, I'm not going to ever have an OnlyFans account. It's not something I have any interest in doing. Oh, don't doubt yourself, Ben. Never cut yourself short. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that I don't have any desire to like go on and do it doesn't mean I, I want to ban its existence. Yeah, no, I don't want my kids to see it. I don't want my kids on it. So I guess that's more my job as their father than it is the government's job to ensure that my children don't access an 18 plus only fans account. Yeah. And they do have, you know, safeguards to make sure that kids aren't getting there. And obviously it's a subscription service. So, I mean, if your kids have access to your credit card, then maybe you need to do a better job of parenting. I don't know. Or shut up about it and get on with it because just because you don't like something doesn't mean it can't exist. Uh, Yeah. No, I'm not going to be a subscriber. I'm not going to be a member. I'm not going to be a, what's the word for the people that put out the content. Content creator? I'm not going to be a content creator on not over there. fans. Yeah. yeah, like it's not going to happen. So, But all that being said, I don't understand why we have, like the credit card companies want us to ban it and do all this other stuff. Like yeah, you, every time you say it's, well, it's because we're worried about child sex slavery of like, no, you're not. Sorry. Yeah, I think it's more liability on their part, right? So they just don't want to get dragged into something that whatever. I think they're just, and I'm sure there's yeah, pressures. So- Let's have crypto get them out. Truly, I I just don't care. Like, if this is what you want to do, God bless you. If this is how you're going to provide extra income, God bless you. Like, I'm not here to tell anybody else how to live. Um, I know some people, there were huge articles all through COVID about all these single moms that were founding this extra income finally, and it was helping them pay all the bills. And I was like, I mean, not the way I would want to get it done, but hey, I I guess any port in a storm. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I said, I'll keep an eye on that. I found it interesting uh, that, Again, all those three things kind of could emerge together here. So T-minus 11 hours and 47 minutes. Sure. Till uh, the end of the governor's reign here of uh, the great kingdom of New York. Man, it's going to be a... It's going to be a difficult transition process for all of us. To- we are we are right now missing, everybody who's tuned in is now missing our governor's uh, farewell adieu speech at uh, 12. So thank you for staying with us and not the governor. So I appreciate that. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but I think you made the right call. Yeah, probably. Not, so, not that it's not fun to listen to Andrew Cuomo go on for 45 minutes about how great he was and how just it was misunderstood and they did great things and he's just making this selfless Selfless sacrifice for the good of the people of the state of New York. Where he's would we a, be without? He is. He's a martyr. I think that he should be canonized at a minimum. Can we name a bridge after him? I, I mean, obviously. Can we name his father's bridge? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, I mean, I was what I was going to say. Any, any bridge. Any bridge would be fine, and then we can just name it after him. And he uh, apparently, I don't know how true this is, but I heard it on the radio on the way in here. He doesn't want his dog. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that too. He left his dog leaving at the, at the mansion. mansion, and then his spokesman like, "That's not true. He just wanted somebody to watch it while he was on vacation. Like, maybe he should have made that message a little clearer." Yeah. Oh. Like I said, I, you know, I'm not sure what to expect. He's definitely kind of gone uh, out fighting, or you know, not himself, but he's sent out his little lackeys out there, throwing out op eds and as lawyers, uh, still trying to trash some of the victims. Um, so he's not going out quietly. I'm not expecting any fireworks in this uh, speech that we're going to miss today. I do find interesting, and not, I don't want to cover that today, but I think maybe we'll cover this in future shows, is to see how some of these issues who have, that have seemed to have been dragged along here under the Cuomo reign, like uh, sports gambling and uh, recreational cannabis, those two things, I would like to be to see if I knew a Governor Hochul has uh, more ways to get some of these things kind of moving in the right directions. I mean, I don't even think we've even created the commission that's supposed to set the regulations for the cannabis industry yet. So, but yet we've legalized it, you know, last year. So um, those are things that I would kind of find interesting more as a, uh, you know, where we go from here is like, you know, we'll, we'll worry about the election in 2022, but like, is, is governor Hochul able to make some uh, legislative headway and maybe set herself up for a, a better run there in 2022? Did I read correctly that cannabis use at the state fair is perfectly okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if I saw anywhere that anywhere you can smoke tobacco. So okay. like there's certain things, there's certain places there where you can't like in certain the buildings there are sure. some buildings and stuff and there's some other places, um, but wherever you can smoke tobacco, you can smoke cannabis. Yeah. Interesting. These, have you seen the fair attendance numbers are dreadfully low? Uh, shocking. I mean, yeah, it's not shocking at all. Um, other than just seeing the numbers compared to obviously the last fair we had, we didn't have one in 2020. We had uh, 2019 had like 
you know, I think it was 13 days. We had 1.3 million people. So that's, you know, averaging a hundred thousand. We're now we're averaging about 38. That's still a good number. Uh, not for the amount of size. Do you feel you've been to the fair? It's so, it, I, I, it's, I feel bad for the vendors. Um, I do too, but look, this is what happens when every level of leadership screws something up so gloriously all at the same time. It's incredible to watch. Like, you, you came out, you, you're changing the rules last minute. You've got the governor who's, I mean, I guess he's not going to make governor's day. You, no, he missed it. It was the first day. Now you got mask rules in effect, and you got all this other stuff, and you've got people. Now you're scaring the crap out of people. So on the one hand, you're going to alienate the people that are just, we're comfortable with the risk, ready to go, not going to wear a mask because it's, it's there, and I'm, I'm happy to go do it. But now you're telling me I have to wear a mask, so I'm either going to protest by not wearing a mask, or I'm just not going. And then the flip side is you are now scaring the crap out of the people who would have been inclined to wear a mask, and they're not going to go. Yeah. So I guh- guess what you ended up with. Yeah, you got your record, attendance record cut attendance. in more than half. Yeah. Like, that's what you're going <clears throat> yeah, to and, get. Yeah, and a factor in, you know, something like 60-plus vendors who are not there and some of the biggest ones. So, like, all the, the you know, they, they go to the fair. They're, they are extra shoppers and, and you know, yeah. economic uh, value that are just gone from, from there. So, I I guess I... This fair, the people who went to this fair and, and stuck it out are are troopers. <laughs> something good for you. Yeah. Um, Although the concert last night, I would have been interested in attending. Jackson Brown and John Taylor would have been great. Yeah, had to be a good show. We had my I had my own concert at my own venue, so I had nice. three bands yesterday. So were any of them Jackson Brown or John Taylor? Of course not. Or James Way Taylor. Better. I just said John Taylor, wide receiver for the 49ers, Nineteen. Yeah. He was a solid fantasy player for a while. He was he was nuts, man. He would have been way more famous if he didn't play with Jerry Rice. Let's talk about one of your other boys. We never talked about this. Oh, Jesus, now who's my boy? Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> big, big fan of the Terminator, obviously. <laughs> so just on a quick side story, I've been to the Arnold, which is a gigantic uh, like bodybuilding show in Columbus, Ohio. That's a thing? Oh, it's, it's huge. Wow. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, but in the Arnold is even more than a bodybuilding show because it is a... I don't know, a confluence of a bunch of different uh, different athletics uh, there. So there's like martial arts stuff going on. There's bodybuilding nice. going on. There's uh, strongman, which is why I was there going on, among other things. And my one of my friends was participating in the uh, 2007 uh, Arnold. Yeah, 2007. I was I thinking think was. you were like in the strongman competition. No, uh, no, okay. no, it wasn't. I mean, obviously, by looking, you could tell huge into I mean, bodybuilding I'm, all the way around here. Yes, yeah. not me. Yeah, but this I know is people. Not who, a body you get. I know people. I have like to affectionately refer to. I stole this from Dan Marinos, but I like to affectionately refer to it as the mudslide physique. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this body was made by Scotch. And this Scotch. Arnold is a gigantic, a gigantic event. It's one of Arnold's like signature events. Um, and uh, at that event, my friend actually set the uh, record for the heaviest stone lifted in human history. At that point, it's nice. Been, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Good for your friend. Yeah, uh, he's he's gigantic human being i mean obviously he lifted the biggest stone in but so he arnold going back to arnold the he has lost one of his sponsors if you remember last week he uh, was on some interview and basically said screw your freedoms when talking about telling everybody they need to start wearing a mask and basically lost a sponsor for it so i feel like uh we've seen a lot of uh i don't want to call this cancel culture because nobody's canceling arnold but the market, the market you. working right. So the uh, the ramifications of your actions. Uh, if this seems to be a uh, a win for the company, I'm assuming that they were getting feedback from, you know, their their customers saying, "Hey, what what are you doing?" Kind of partnering right. with this guy. So um, I found that interesting. I don't know. I wanted to kind of use this to piggyback into the mask thing. But uh, any uh, final words on your boy Arnold? Yeah, anytime you find yourself saying "forget your freedoms," you're probably not going to screw be your freedoms right in the long run. Yeah, screw your freedoms is is probably not going to be a position. Bad hashtag. You're going to be proud of in the future, like under an, almost any circumstances. Uh, screw your freedoms is is generally not going to be recorded well, historically speaking. So far, we're one for one that I know of. That you're right. So I just, like, what is wrong with people? I don't grasp it. I don't and, right, and so let's piggyback this onto uh, basically a topic that we've talked about probably more than any other topic other than Jeffrey Epstein or Hunter Biden, but masks, right? So I got these two articles that I want to pull up. Um, if you guys go into the description of the uh, of the the uh, video here, you can kind of pull these up too. Here, uh, the first one I'm going to go. This is the Daily Mail headline: Blue surgical face masks are only 10 percent effective in preventing COVID infection. New study finds. So we, I believe that's the exact number that uh, our uh, 
mask expert Megan Mansell used uh, months ago when we interviewed her, or at least weeks ago it was. Um, this is from University of Waterloo. Researchers find most cloth masks are only 10% effective. Uh, and they obviously talk about the effectiveness of uh, N95 and K95's masks here. Um, any follow-up on those blue surgical masks that you're finding at every single place that you've ever walked into and uh, that says on the side of the box that doesn't spread COVID, but now uh, you got something in print from some university in Waterloo, Canada, this is, by the way, uh, basically saying that uh, masks don't work. Knock me over with a feather. Uh, this is the look of utter shock. For those of you just listening and unable to see me, I assure you my face is in one of utter shock that masks do not work to block the particles of an aerosolized respiratory virus. And again, if we recall from the interview with Megan Mansell, anything that doesn't block, I mean, the, uh, a transmission rate of over 3% basically renders a, a mitigation useless. Correct? Am I, am I can't I remember, but... Correctly? Something in that ballpark of if you are allowing somewhere like 3 to 5%, maybe 6% of the particles out, you are not doing anything. If it's just you're not going to make a difference when it comes to aerosols. 90 seems a little high. So for if you're hearing this in your thought or your reaction is to say, well, it's still better than nothing. No, it's not. It's nothing. It's yeah. absolutely nothing. And I didn't pull. I didn't have this article in the thing, but this comes on the heels of. Uh, I sent you the article. They're talking about how the plastic barriers don't do anything. Not of course, like, they of don't course. do anything. <laughs> Neither do half face shields. By the way, I don't know if you ever, if somebody ever recommended you to get a half face shield while you're bartending. I mean Hannibal Lecter, but other than that, nobody. No, I was. I know. I remember, and I just don't grasp how we ever thought this was good science. It's it's interesting. I'm reading. I'm, I'm skimming through the the, the pictures here. The pictures of that are used in this article to show from the study basically look like Megan Mansell's pictures, but just black and white, not right. the, the, the fluorescent green that she uses. Um, I think you pictures. shared this thing on Facebook today where it said the science keeps changing to exactly what people were saying nine months ago and getting banned for like, yeah. this is not new information folks. Sorry. It's just not, this has been painfully obvious. Uh, oh, the, the one study that just came out from the university of Alabama, Birmingham, where they said we have now solid concrete proof that mask mandates do, in fact, work. And I went, well, that's interesting. I'll read it. I'm on board because I read studies. I'm a giant dork. Let's go. So I read that study. Now, it's a healthcare system. Then we'll get into your second article, but I just want to point out the opposing view. Mm -hmm. I read the article. I read the, uh, then I read the corresponding study. Um, it's amazing, quite honestly, that, that this got proved. So you have a healthcare system. And now, Sean, it's, I believe, August in the year 2021, correct? Correct. Okay, so this study was just released, and they had all this data gathered between April 6th, 2020, all the way until May, I think, 16th, or the 22nd, one or the other, of 2020. Okay. That seems like an odd place to stop when we've got all these 18 months after that that you could have looked at, right? Uh, but okay, fine. I, I guess that's perfectly okay. Somehow. So they released this and say, well, they instituted a mask mandate. All personnel coming on premises must wear a mask. And now this study that we have tested and looked at the results definitively proves masks helped limit exposures. So you might think to yourself, well, how do you limit an exposure? Do you mean like fewer people got COVID? <laughs> Don't be silly. Why would we want to use a metric like that? I mean, never mind the fact that right after the study ended, over the next six to eight weeks, Alabama saw its cases uh, per day moving average go from like 200 a day to about 2,000 a day, I think it was, or 1,200, one or the other. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on that. But six, seven times increase over the next six weeks. Weird that they left that part out, but okay, cool. I'm sure it was a coincidence. Now, instead of measuring, well, you had everybody wearing a mask, how many COVID outbreaks could be tracked or traced back to the hospital itself and compared to the community overall. That would have been how I would have probably set it up, but I'm no scientist. So instead, what they did is they said, well, we're going to measure self-reported. So we're going to have all of our employees, all of our staff, all of our patients and visitors and whomever else report on an electronic survey, and we're going to determine who had a high-risk exposure. So wait, not, not, a, not a test, not like, let's see who got COVID. No, no, no. High risk exposures. Okay. I, I guess I see your point. So let's hear it. What, what counts as a high risk exposure? <laughs> a high risk exposure is any time 
you come across somebody who may have COVID symptoms or who developed COVID symptoms shortly after your interaction and neither party was wearing a mask. That's the definition. That's a high-risk exposure when neither one of you were wearing masks or or being part of a procedure that is likely to generate aerosols being uh, produced into the room from an infected patient and the healthcare worker is not wearing a mask. So just to reiterate, a high-risk exposure means you're not wearing a mask and the rule in the hospital is you have to wear a mask. So they mandated that everybody has to wear a mask and then they were able to conclude that because of that, there was less interactions of people without wearing masks, so masks work. Checkmate. So, so masks worse when you have a mask on? At reducing the number of interactions you have without masks. Yes. Sweet. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is science in the year 2021. Now, again, not a doctor, not a scientist, barely was a lawyer. Um, you can all see the problem with that, right? Yeah. Like you, you, It's not me. I, I can't be the only one who sees why that's insane. And yet somehow, somehow this, this gets printed. Like and, people and, get, and people cite it. Yeah, I, I'm at a loss. I don't understand how. I just I don't get it. How can you look at this and be like, debate over, mic drop? Yeah, and so let's piggyback that Sorry. onto the New Yorker or uh, the Intelligencer, New York, whatever. I'm not sure what it is. Um, written by David Zweig, uh, the science of masking kids at school remains uncertain. Pretty vague, right? Sure. Um, but so this basically article talks about uh, talking about a large scale study from of COVID transmission in American schools, uh, going through. They're basically talking about how there's no science behind the efficacy of masks in schools at all, and yet here we are. We're one of the uh, you know we're I don't know what two three weeks away from schools opening here. We have a lot of our schools. Uh, uh, instituting mask mandates here locally. Some are not, not, but all, but many are, most are. And yet filtration seems to be the most important thing from stopping uh, a respiratory virus. And we're all still worried about masks and they don't work. Again, this is the face of utter shock. And this is the best part about those studies that claim mass work. They also simultaneously tested filtration method with masks and then said mask work. And this is the problem with that kind of study is there's no way to claim that. So the reality of about any mask rule is this. Mask rules depend on a couple of things having to be true for a mask mandate to make sense. The first part of that has to be asymptomatic spread is very common. Has to be. Or at least a... a, a significant or a substantial a meaningful driver of infection that has to be otherwise mask anybody could agree with this mask rules don't make any sense if asymptomatic spread is not a thing because why would you have masks on if you don't have symptoms correct good less than one percent less i mean it you're talking the on the low end 0.3 and on the high end 0.7 percent of all cases can be attributed to either asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic spread and the reality is asymptomatic spread has never even been established pre-symptomatic spread has but it is exceedingly rare meaning if somebody never developed symptoms they can't account any place in the entire world over the last 20 months where that person who tested positive never developed symptoms spread it to somebody else it's not it hasn't happened but pre-symptomatic spread has where they, they weren't demonstrating any, and then later on they did they spread it, and then they developed symptoms. But again, 0.3 to 0.7. That's not just not a substantial driver. That's like a rounding error. That is a one-in-a-million bolt of lightning that you're dealing with here. So, all right, mask mandates don't make sense just from that standpoint alone. They don't make sense. If you're sick, if you're symptomatic, if you had a known exposure, yeah, put a mask on. Cool, go for it. That makes total sense. Number two is that the masks have to actually block transmission of an aerosolized virus for a prolonged period of time. All these studies that say masks work are based on 20 minutes. There's a reason they stop the studies after 20 minutes, because after that, your mask becomes damp. And when that happens, whatever 10% efficacy it did have is gone. Is that breathing through your mouth so much? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Breathe however you want. Stop breathing. My bad. Yeah, that, that's the answer. We would spread less virus if we stopped breathing altogether. But that's that's the other factor in this is it you, you have you, you're in a sterile, pristine environment. These things aren't effective. 
And now the third factor, particularly specific to kids, is that children have to be a significant driver and cause a substantial risk to adults because the, ch- the risk among children is exceedingly low. And I know everybody's reading stories about how COVID hospitalizations are soaring all across the country. No, they're not. It's RSV. RSV is completely normal to be going around this year. And if anything, I'm not saying this is definitively proven, but there's at least a chance that it's weighed worse this year because children had such little interaction last year and over the course of the last year that it's getting them even yeah, harder. Ba- there was backed up cases, basically. that should have happened last year. Right. That- Just of RSV, and yeah, then right. down there testing positive for COVID when they're in the hospital already, and they have just a, just regular respiratory virus, not COVID. And now, it, even now, if you look at the data, deaths among children are not rising. Hospitalizations, ICU admissions for COVID are not rising. They are, they are The Delta variant goes after kids. No, it doesn't. I'm sorry, but you're being lied to. You're being misled. So... Children, also, all these studies, there's no case, I shouldn't say none, the odds of a child passing this to an adult, it just is not happening. It's, it's so rare that it's hard to find studies that, je- that demonstrate it happening at all. It's so rare that there should not be any policy making. Based no, on no, 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 it's insanity. Because you, you look across the board and it's, they're just not, it's not happening. Yes, the kids are spreading to themselves. They're all asymptomatic or very mild symptomatic. And that's a good thing because then they develop robust, natural, long-lasting antibodies and immune response. We're having no symptoms. That's a good result. You, that's what you want to happen. So you get it. You get over it. Nobody's dying. Nobody's going to the hospital. Not nobody. I got it. One in a million. Sure. But from a public health standpoint, a statistically insignificant amount of, pe- of children are at risk of dying. And those who are typically have a known comorbidity of some type of respiratory weakness that yes those children should be specifically protected but we shouldn't make rules for all the healthy children with no comorbidities based on the less than one tenth of one percent who have these risk factors take special care of the kids with special risk and leave the rest alone so all of these things would add up to tell you that it doesn't make sense what is the mass doing it doesn't block aerosolized virus asymptomatic spread doesn't happen to begin with so even if it did work you wearing one when you have no symptoms is statistically insignificant and putting masks on kids because you're worried they might spread it to an old teacher is not backed up by science. It's just not. Schools that were fully remote had a higher instance of teacher COVID-19 last year in America than the schools that were fully reopened. All right? It's not the kids. It hasn't been the kids. It never was the kids. Could that change in the future? Sure. And if it does, we can adjust the policy. But right now, this is what the data says. Yeah, And, and we have real-world like you can look at the UK, Ireland, all Sweden, of Scandinavia, Norway, right? Uh, the, uh, the France. It, these don't they have they don't have masks on their kids, and there's no outbreaks amongst the kids in the schools. It's just not happening. Sweden so, is a great case sample, actually, because they have thirty thousand teachers in their country. Schools were open up through ninth grade, all of forever. They never shut them down. They didn't panic and shut down schools. And they tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade went remote for a time, and then came back. But no masks. They had K K through 9, and so you have this great case study of what you could see. And across 30,000 teachers, they ended up with 79 teachers hospitalized with COVID. 79 out of 30,000, and one teacher did pass away from COVID-19. In the whole country, with schools fully reopened, one. Now, I get it. Every death is a tragedy. I'm not arguing. But let's compare our numbers to theirs. Who's doing better? Do we, do, are we sure ours are better? Because we're not. And that's the problem is you have real world data you can compare this to. You have not a perfect control group, but you have a control group now. This is what happens when we did nothing or just, you know, recommended things of like, hey, if you're sick, stay home. Don't be, you know, don't be a jerk. And if you are in school, then, then we're going to be in school and teachers, you know, be safe, be smart, wash hands, whatever. But we're not going to social distance. We're not going to make our kids wear masks. And again, I made this point several times. Kids are disgusting. Do you know what my kid's mask looks like at the end of the day? And I watch them put that thing on their mouth. And all I can think is, holy crap, that can't be healthy. Like you're doing this to protect them from something that is of no threat to them, that they are statistically insignificant threat of spreading. And you have to be exposing them to more bad stuff. There's no way that my son stepping on his mask in a parking lot and then putting on his face can be good for him or healthy. It's just not possible. So all these things combined would tell you, no kidding, masks don't work. We've known this for months. Like, it was never it never should have been a supported idea to begin with because there is no basis in all of our history of, of dealing with coronaviruses or aerosolized viruses where a mask would be an effective mitigation tool. It was just known. It would have been laughed at fifteen years ago if you said, like, oh yeah, there's a coronavirus, so we're gonna develop a vaccine for it and get a mask. <laughs> like, what are you, a moron? No, you're not gonna do that. It's like, what is this the 
1800s? Probably even before that. Right. Why don't we just get some leeches and draw people's blood out? Like, let's try that next. I always get yelled at when I use that comparison because there's like, there's some really valuable reasons of leeches. And I'm like, oh, sorry. My bad. Leeches probably have more merit than masks. (laughs) My God. They definitely do. Like, you got ghosts in your blood, so we're going to give you cocaine. All right, cool. I guess that's how we're going to fix this person. Like, but this is no different. Like the arrogance of our society to think that we are so smart and that we can have this all figured out. And we just take for granted that we know all these things to be true, that we just don't know to be true. And if anything, all of the evidence is coming in on the opposite side of the view. And then you give me a study to read that says mass work. And even me with my non-scientific background can pick it apart in about 10 seconds flat and go, this is not what it says. You cannot possibly make this claim based on this. This is not science. And I'm supposed to believe that the people on the pro-mass side are probably right? So if you, if you, it's been so long, guys. It's been 20 months. Is that, I keep using that number. I think that's, that's between 18, 18 and 20. Sure, I don't yeah. know what it is. Either way, it's been this long. With, we have people using mass. We have areas not using mass. And you can't point to a single geographic location, not a county, not a state, not a country, not a city, not a school district, that saw that, you, that implemented masks and then saw a predictable drop in COVID-19 spread that was sustained. There's nowhere in the world. And then if you account for seasonality, you can't find it anywhere. Because as it turns out, seasonality plays a big factor with respiratory viruses. Man, that is some brand new data that the science is going to change to. Can't wait for them to come out and be like, well, the data came in and it turns out seasonality might just play a big role. How long until we get that one? My guess is like November after New York gets rampaged this fall. Yeah, that's what I said. I keep telling people, like, all right, well, you know, we're, we're the, the very first country everybody's eyeballing was Israel, right? Because they were the first one. They, they've, they, they, they were the, the role model, and it's breaking down in almost every measure there, and we're just a few months behind. And I, you know, I, I expect to, to look like somewhat like Israel eventually. It'll so, be worse. So I don't know. Um, let's, uh, let's, Switch from masks to vaccines. That should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about it. All right. Well, news, breaking news, uh, right out of the fresh out of the, uh, the the breaking news cycle this morning. The FDA, Mr. Hughesong, has approved the Pfizer vaccine for COVID use. I think this has kind of been rumored for at least over the weekend that this was going to happen. So um, the I'm sure the FDA probably crossed their last T and dotted their last I over the weekend to make sure that everything was uh, perfectly hunky-dory, and uh, voila, FDA-approved vaccine today. Congratulations. Anybody 16 and over? 16 and over. 16 and over, full FDA. And, I, like, the people, I love that the second line in the story is always, this will make it far easier for businesses to issue max vaccine mandates. Yeah. More authoritarianism. Right. Um. All right. Look. It's a dangerous thing to talk about because everybody gets really up in arms, but I'm going to do as uh, non-inflammatory and as just basic facts as I can here about why I don't think this is a smart idea. All right. Number one, they have not completed the animal testing of this vaccine. All right. It's never been completed. Yes, it's been started, and that's why the fact checks all say, well, they... The claim is that they never did any animal testing, and that's false. I'm not claiming they didn't do any animal testing. I'm saying they didn't finish any animal testing that yielded positive results that you would want to rely on. The reason given by the science and the, uh, the pharmaceutical company scientists is, well, it's d- behaving differently in animals than it would in humans, so there's not much benefit to it. And there's so much death and destruction that we need to go simultaneous with the human tests and the animal tests to ensure that we get to the, you know, protect the people um, or that it's uh, apples and oranges because this virus is so different and the, it's, it, the, the vaccine is going to work differently in humans than it did in animals. So there's no benefit to doing the tests. You want to go full bore conspiracy theory? It's because every time they tested this thing on animals, uh, it started out with tremendously positive results that then turned into antibody dependent enhancement, and the animals in large numbers died. Uh, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but apparently, uh, what they saw with some frequency in animals, uh, allegedly. Uh, listen, this is this is other scientists, but I'm not going to tell you that it's definitely right um, that they would get it and then when they were exposed to the virus later on, their body went crazy. And went, the, the response was so over the top that it frequently led to the death of these animals. Or, 
you know, correlated with the death of these animals. I guess I shouldn't say causation. So that's number one. I That makes me uncomfortable. But okay, you say we've administered all these shots. Yeah, we have. You're right. Uh, the long-term safety trials will not be completed until the end of next year. That's like the minimum long-term safety trials will not be completed until end of 2022. And I know I, I, the, the response is always, well, with vaccines, you know if there's going to be long-term effects within the first three months because they, they generally appear that fast. And that is a factual statement. But folks, these are not traditional vaccines. These are different. I, this is not the way vaccines have traditionally worked. This is, this is a, an amazing achievement of science. I, I'm not going to argue that. But we don't we don't fully grasp it yet. And to, to say that just because we call it a vaccine, that it's going to behave the same way that traditional vaccines have, you can't say that with any sort of conclusive certainty because you don't know. So, all right, that's another thing that's at least a red flag for me to go, geez, I mean, you, you're not even going to have long-term safety data and you're giving this thing full approval without it? Like, it doesn't matter? Isn't that why we have emergency use authorization to begin with? Like, isn't that the whole reason that you have emergency use authorization? Because it would seem to me that it is. Is, hey, we don't really have all the data yet, but this is really important. So that's number two that just, that makes me very uncomfortable. Number three is that you are having a lot of adverse reactions to the vaccine. And if you're a young person, I think it's under 22 or maybe it's 18, whatever it is. You are statistically significantly more likely to end up in a hospital because of a reaction to the vaccine than you are to the um to COVID itself it's far more likely that you're going to be if you're going to end up in a hospital it's going to be because you had a reaction to the vaccine far more often than if you had just gotten COVID and gotten over it um that's troubling I I don't I don't really grasp why you would open this up to everybody over the age of 16 then if you know that that's true which it is this is data that we're looking at I don't understand and the biggest thing for me is still why are we still pretending that hydroxychloroquine, zinc, azithromycin, and ivermectin are not effective treatments for COVID nineteen? There's there's no early treatment protocol. They won't even there's it's it's stay home and wait wait for symptoms. Yeah, like that's, that's literally it's backwards. I, you do these things in conjunction, and they're all and and I guess this is the other half of it is watching the CDC come out and like actually say with a straight face that hydroxychloroquine is killing people and causing heart arrhythmia and everything else. And you're going, hey, that seems weird. And then it turns out because the study they were citing was based, the one study that said it was killing people was just completely made up data. The other study they were citing was because like, an, I think a normal dose of hydroxychloroquine is like two to 400 milligrams a day. You don't just Pay attention to the number, not the descriptor after it, but 200 to 400 milligrams per day. And they were giving people like 2,000 milligrams a day as a, as a test. And then they were, it was causing heart palpitations. Like, well, shocking. I'm pretty sure anything that you take 10 times the recommended dosage of is going to cause problems. Like, that's not real science again. And again, CDC, FDA, they just cite it. <laughs> like, see? See, it doesn't work. Like, wait, What? Why, why are you going with this? Why are you just going along with this? Ivermectin is, uh, I've seen ranges measuring the, the drop in mortality somewhere between 70 and 88% drops in mortality based on different findings. Again, no risk, virtually no risk when taken at the proper dosage, no known significant or substantial side effects when taken properly. Yet the CDC comes out and says it could be very dangerous and it can cause all kinds of reactions. Like, mm, why are you lying? Because these things have been proven safe, and if you take your vitamin D regularly, your vitamin D levels are high, you take zinc every day, and you go there, and then you somehow still get COVID, you get on ivermectin and azithromycin and keep taking your zinc, what's your clinical outcome more than likely going to be? Yeah, You're walking out! Yeah. I mean, we have, except we have examples here of just... The use of ivermectin in three local cases, I think actually up to five hospitals now total here in uh, in New York State alone, where they've had, you know, anecdotal evidence where they were basically on the deathbed. One was on a ventilator. She was 82 on a ventilator. They gave her ivermectin. She was off in 24 hours. That's like literally crazy talk. And you, listen, there are studies to back this up. Yeah. It's not all just anecdotal evidence. They have actual studies. Yes, one of them was falsified and it was a very bad study and they got rid of it. It didn't change the overall impact. 
it still is overwhelmingly likely that it has a positive impact on mortality. It's going to drop the mortality rate. So I, I don't understand why people are pushing for this. And also, like the, one of the other big factors for me is the complete refusal to acknowledge natural immunity or acquired immunity. And just, let's vaccinate everybody. Like, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. Because the people that had it and recovered, you know what that, what's happening to their um, immuno response six months after they got it? It's stronger. You know what's happening to the vaccinated people? It's falling off a cliff. And it's, again, the vaccine does not have any, any impact on your, on your capacity to spread the virus. None. It will not drop you being able to spread the virus whatsoever. So please don't tell me that somebody should take the vaccine to protect others. Because that ain't how it's working, folks. Not. Did you see that the uh, Mississippi Health Department issued, a, like, went on social media and said, don't take horse medicine for covid so they're basically trying to shout out, shout down uh, ivermectin. ivermectin right. yeah. So basically. that's that's troubling. Of like, in six months, so you're going to approve this thing, even though you know full well the data is very clear out of Israel, for Pfizer specifically, yeah. that after six months you start out at 92. Now keep in mind, efficacy based on these definitions just means preventing symptomatic case, not mortality, not deaths, not spread. The way it was measured was that's how they can say efficacy. So even if death rates go up or down, they can still claim the efficacy is the same because it's based on symptomatic cases. That was the measuring stick. 94% it started out, and if you recall a few episodes ago, we went through a breakdown of the trial of the average age was 51. Only 20% had any comorbidities. The way they define an adverse reaction was nonsense. People that got COVID after the first shot or within six days of the second shot didn't count as having COVID, and the vaccine worked, apparently. Like... You set up the trial in a way it couldn't possibly have failed. So, all right. Again, I don't really blame Pfizer for that. They are who they are. Isn't this the one where they changed the they, the outcome? Like the, the, of the, course. What they, right in the middle of the study, they were like, yeah, we're going to, I mean, they think they wanted it to be to stop infection and sterilization, you know, be an actual vaccine. Yep. But halfway through the trial, they knew that it wasn't going to be. So they just changed the end game. They, and they changed were like, yeah, the measuring yeah. stick. Yeah. And then they vaccinated the control group because the results were so wonderful. We couldn't possibly hold this back. So they, we have no control group anymore. <laughs> such a clown show it's amazing so all of this is adding up to me and i'm looking at this and going look i don't blame pfizer they are who they are they are an evil evil sociopathic company run by completely amoral men and women okay fine but we have government watchdogs we have the cdc we have the fda we have the nih allegedly for the purpose of giving us good and reliable information so when they're coming out and citing junk studies and they're instead turning around and citing studies that are so laughably incompetent that it's it's amazing that anybody could look at them with a straight face and go yeah that checks out that they're still recommending mass on kids that they're still completely ignoring natural immunity and saying if you get the vaccine too it makes it even stronger see people seriously how does that make sense the vaccine efficacy drops off a cliff it goes from 95 percent allegedly all the way down to below 40 within six months do you think it's going to stop there no it drops off a cliff it goes away and you don't have any immunity any longer. It's not going to prevent your symptomatic case. No. That's, that's bad. That's why we have boosters. So boosters. Oh, my God. I, I love this counter argument. Like, well, that's why we have booster shots. How long does booster shot last, Sean? Uh, do we know? Not a clue. What's the efficacy rate of boosters? Uh, I don't think we know that yet. If either. anybody can find it and send it to me, I'm in. Because I can't figure out what the efficacy rate of boosters is or how long it's supposed to last or what the advantages are. We have almost no data on this because, in a shocking twist, we are just administering them now. We didn't do a trial. We didn't even test this. Like, at what point do the vaccine companies or the NIH or FDA or somebody just, like, admit defeat? Like, hey, we thought this would work. It really didn't. Well, not as long as people are going to keep buying new doses. This is, this is fantastic. It's, it's amazing to watch this play out in real time as people just refuse to acknowledge the simple realities of this, of is this not the same threat to everybody? This is a much graver threat to the people that are not healthy at all, have low vitamin D levels, and are very old. Yes, those conditions do play a role, and you should take steps to correct them. But ivermectin should have been one of those steps. Hydroxychloroquine should have been one of those steps. Recommending some, everybody yeah, take some vitamin D. Some early treatment D. should have been part of it. 
everybody should take vitamin D. Everybody should be taking zinc, take vitamin C. Like these things, as it turns out, matter. So instead, we keep getting this comical circus show of, well, then put your mask on. Like, but the mask doesn't do anything either. So I got a vaccine that doesn't really help me at all long term. And I got a mask that doesn't do anything. And I, I have to choose one of those two things. <clears throat> Shut up. Yeah. And, and so there's still some confusion too, right? So what if, what about the J and J people, right? So like they're, they're not, they haven't been approved. Their efficacy is not dropping. And so, right. And so it's almost like they were, they used a traditional style vaccine that was a little more predictive and it, it was not as strong early on. It wasn't, it was, it was, they used a deadened virus that was similar to COVID-19, but yeah, I feel not like exactly I keep, COVID-19. I'm, I'm trying to recall. I feel like it was like 70% efficacy for the J and J. I think it was 80 81 82 okay. and it's it's now it's at about 79 to 80 okay. so it's it's staying at about the same level and so, so far it'll be interesting just to see if the j and j people like you know there's some people who got were were getting the uh, vaccine potpourri they were just getting them all because they just wanted to have all of whatever yeah that's crazy yeah I, it's i mean that person probably needs to reevaluate their positions on some things um well, no, health officials were coming out and being like, well, it's better than nothing, so mix and match. I, I'm more, I, you know, I feel like, and maybe this is anecdotal, but maybe there's actually some evidence to support this. The idea that we had way more adverse events during the second shot than we did the first shot. So why do we think that we're not going to have even an increase of adverse effects on the third shot as opposed to the second shot? That's reasonable. See, I haven't seen any data on it, but that's a that's a reasonable I mean, assumption. I, Man, I don't know what to tell these people. Like, I, I, I just don't understand. You want you're telling everybody to go get vax, go get vax. Like, you're not even bothering to look at the data. You won't look at the information. And then I, I obviously have. Like, I've read this stuff. Now I, I could still be wrong. I'm open to that prospect. I could always be wrong. because uh, there is stuff we don't know. And I'm, I'm just looking at the trends and looking at how things are going and saying, wait. You want to mandate a vaccine that drops its efficacy below, like, so we're on our way to, is it going to go to zero? I don't know. Is it going to go down to one in five? Is the booster shot going to jump you back up to 50%? Is that good enough? Are we going to see more adverse reactions with the booster shot than we even saw with the second shot? And like I said, we, you know, we're coming into the Northeast flu season here. Is this going to lead to antibody dependent enhancement? That's a terrifying notion if that holds true. I don't know if it's going to. I have no idea. I am not smart enough to really grasp the ins and the outs of that. But there are some pretty smart people that are talking like that's a given and it's going to happen. And then what are these people supposed to do? What are these people who got vaccinated supposed to do if that happened? I don't have, a, I don't have an answer. Listen, there's people I love that have gotten vaccinated. Like I have family members. I have close friends that have done it. And I, I don't, I'm not here to judge. Like I understand why they did it. I understand every part of it. And I, anybody who asked me, I gave them my two cents of, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, it's just, I, I can't grasp it, but you, hey, I'm not here to tell anybody how to live. You want to listen? Great. You don't want to listen? Great. I, I'll share my opinion if you ask, but I'm not sharing it if you don't outside of this show. But if you've tuned in, you basically asked to hear my opinion. <laughs> Pretty much. So I, I don't know. Now, maybe hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are going to prove to be the answers for that one, too. Maybe that's going to be the only treatment that'll work for the people that got vaccinated is you better find a way to get some of these drugs and get your zinc up, get your, get your vitamin D up and start taking these other, these other medications. And like I said, I think if, if we were actually targeting the vulnerable people in this, with this disease, then we would probably have more resources to be better at it instead of trying to target every single person on the planet. Yeah. Right? Just so a mass vaccination was never a smart idea. Never. And you know, because again, you pointed this out, I think two weeks ago or last week. It's a it's an imperfect vaccine. It's a leaky vaccine, meaning it doesn't actually kill the virus. It suppresses your symptoms. So if you have this vaccine, you're less likely to develop symptoms, but your viral load is the same. Like I, I'm not smart enough to draw this conclusion. Germ spreader. I'm not smart enough to draw this conclusion. I'll be the first one to tell you. But in my overly simplistic mind, if I still have the same viral load, but no symptoms telling me I'm sick, aren't I actually at a greater risk of actually causing asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic spread you i would almost guarantee it does that follow like that that would seem to me to make sense of all right well if you people have the same viral load the same capacity for spreading it but they're just not developing symptoms what what stops them from becoming pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic spreaders like they're going to bring about the very thing that they used as the um stick to get us all in line of like hey your mask could stop you from spreading it like but i'm not sick oh it doesn't matter it could be it could be asymptomatic, but that's not a primary driver. It doesn't matter. Even if it's a secondary driver, it still matters. 
what if it's 0.3%? Should we all still be doing this? I, I, I genuinely would love somebody to give me an answer on that one because I don't, I don't get it. And, and the more I learn, the less this makes sense. Yeah, well, uh, these are questions we've been asking for uh, 18 to 20 months here, Mr. Hughes. They have. Yeah, that's true. And again, it's weird how the science keeps changing the stuff that we were saying literally a year ago. Yeah. And, you know, it's stuff that we're saying, and we're rep- but we're repeating it from other smart oh, yeah. people, right? So, like, oh, yeah. we're that's not coming why up with this on I, our own. I think when people are like, oh, I'm going to get my medical advice from a bartender, right? So I'm like, yeah, I mean, I didn't write this medical advice right. like i lifted it from somebody who actually gives medical advice that's what i did so um you yeah. know they you don't know like do? my sources i guess but. you know what we do though is we provide information that's not widely disseminated for sure that's it and it's not information that we're making up it's not information like we're not developing these these studies but I, guys I love the people that think like 99% of the population is not mentally equipped to be able to even understand a scientific study. First off, that is the most arrogant point of view I've ever heard in my entire life. The idea that you are in the 1% who are smart enough to read a study and understand what it says. Screw you. Honestly, like if that's your mindset, you are a terrible person. Like, yes, there are a certain number of the population that certainly simply cannot grasp what is being said in a scientific study. It ain't 99%, folks. Like, a lot of this stuff is written in English. And, you know, there's this odd thing that you can do where if you're reading something and a word doesn't make sense, you can look it up. And then there's these scientists and doctors out there that are not on board with all of this idea. And some who even are that you could just say, hey, I was reading this and I don't really understand it. What does this mean? Because I've done a lot of that because I don't claim to have any answers. I'm just looking at it, asking questions and going, wait, what, what is auto? What is antibody dependent enhancement? I don't know what the hell that meant. It took me three or four times in three or four conversations with very smart people to actually grasp what it is, how bad that would be, and why it's a possibility in this scenario. That's that's what it took. I had to ask questions because ultimately, if I'm considering putting something in my body, I kind of want to know, number one, what are the pros and cons? And number two, what am I actually protecting against? I, I know that sounds crazy. But if you're telling me I got to take this thing to prevent me from getting a virus that I already had and recovered from with almost no symptoms whatsoever, and I'm taking it with the risk of all these side effects that nobody wants to talk about, and I'm taking it and there's there's very little long-term data on it, can you understand why that cost-benefit doesn't make sense for me? Why, why I'm having a hard time getting around to your point of view of, well, it's still just safer. Like, no, I read that, and that, that's nonsense. That study was bullshit. It didn't, it, like, they, you're claiming causation where there's not even correlation. You're not even demonstrating a positive result, and you're claiming the positive result is because of the vaccine. And then you're taking this myopic view. If you only look at this window, see the difference? Like, yeah, but if you just look at the bigger picture, that doesn't add up, and it doesn't hold. Well, you're just anti-science, and you're, you're so arrogant. You're going to get people killed. You're not a scientist. You don't know. Like, but am I wrong? Yeah, that no, that's usually how conversations with me end up. You know, right, I'm not getting my information from a bartender. I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to tell you. I'm just offering him. Usually, I'm not trying to talk to the person that I'm actually talking to anyway. I'm talking to everybody who's reading the right. along. So, let, hopefully, somebody else read it. Here's my thing: you shouldn't be taking your medical advice from a bartender. No, I, you shouldn't be taking it from anybody. How do I phase this? You and I are not qualified to dole out medical advice, and I'm not here to give anybody medical advice. I'm here to point out some simple truths of do what you want. If you want to wear a mask, have at it. The only time I step up and say, do this, don't do that, is when you start talking about forcing other people to live by your rules. That's when I step up and go, no, 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 no. Here's why that's incorrect. Because there's no data to support it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have any benefit. There's only risk. And even if the risks are minimal or maximal, it doesn't matter because the means are ineffective to reach the end. That doesn't make sense to coerce other people into your point of view at that point. And I'll read the study. Anything you want, I'll read it. I read everything that somebody sends me. And this is what I've come to the conclusion of, of. You know who else you probably shouldn't take medical advice from as a general rule? People that have been lying to you for 18 straight months. People that have been covering up data for 18 months. People that have been misleading you, have been coercing you into this one path and ignoring and diminishing and uh, demeaning anybody who dares point out that there's flaws in their reasoning gets actively censored, gets dismissed, gets belittled in the public domain. That's that's weird. 
Again, historically speaking, if you're on the side of pro-censorship of the other side, you're not on the good side. That has never, ever, ever been the case. You've never been on the right side of history by asking for your adversary to be censored and not be able to share their opinion. We can come to some common ground. I, I have very rational discussions with people on trying to find a common ground between why I think this doesn't make sense and why they do. And look, ultimately, you're going to come to the conclusion the more you look into this of it doesn't make sense. What we are doing does not make sense. The, the purported ends are not likely to be achieved by all of this stuff they're saying. Acquired immunity is real. Natural immunity is real. Ivermectin is effective. Hydroxychloroquine does have positive impact. Zinc is effective. Vitamin D is important. You know what else is important? Exercise, fresh air, and eat healthy. All of these things matter, but we pretend like they don't so that we can instead take some shot and inject it into our body, and then we don't have to do any of the hard work. Then we're safe. Safe yeah. from what? Well, I'm not going to get COVID. Well, yeah, you still can. Oh, well, I'm not going to spread it to others. Oh, actually, there's no impact on that. Well, I'm just not going to get as sick, and I'm probably not going to die. Well, I'm already probably not going to die from this either, so why do I have to take it? That's the benefit? Well, I already had it, and I recovered. I had very mild symptoms, so I have very long-lasting, durable antibodies and immuno response from uh, T-cells and B-cells. Well, if you got the vaccine, it would be even better. Um, I disagree. I've seen the data, and I, I don't agree with that conclusion. Now, I'm not telling anybody else who's recovered from it what to do. If you want to get the vaccine, have at it. But I think it's weird. I think the idea that a vaccine that's efficacy falls off a cliff after six months enhances your natural long-lasting immunity is... I don't even know the right word. It's like an oxymoron. It, it's, yeah. it's, it does. How do you possibly reach this conclusion? I don't grasp it. Yeah. No, like I said, I, there's been so much confusion about most of this throughout this whole thing that people are just now literally just blindly following. They just, it's not even that they're sure. I don't think that they're right. They just don't want the other side to be right. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just, they, they don't want to have been fooled. Right. That's the other part of it is they don't want to think that they could have been duped. And they, they're so smart that there's no way that they would have caught on. And these people are, uh, and the people above you have this, your best interest in mind. And that's just not supported by any of the, if you actually look at this with a discerning eye, there's no way to come to the conclusion that masks on kids in schools make sense. No. There's no possible way to draw that conclusion. It's just, there's no possible way to draw the conclusion that advising people to take an experimental vaccine when they've already had and recovered from the virus that they should take the vaccine. There's completely unsupported by the actual evidence. It doesn't. It doesn't add up. And when the push is so hard to make that happen, like I just pull back, and just because, like, I'm, it doesn't make because you point out it doesn't make any sense. And if you're mandating something that doesn't make any sense, it must be there's got to be some other nefarious reason or something you're overlooking to make that make that case. So, like I said, I think that's what we've been kind of pointing out here for the whole existence of the show is just things that aren't being talked about in mainstream circles and i don't know why there's so few people talking about them we're not the only ones but we have been doing it for the the whole duration of the show just giving at least our audience a, a uh, an alternative perspective that uh is not really seen anywhere else so and trying know. not to be alarmist about it just trying to look at the data and go wait that doesn't make sense i'm, yeah. I'm not telling you that we should all go and live in the hills and that the you know this is all china and bill gates trying to microchip us it's probably not but I'm telling you the things that they're doing, <laughs> the things that they are doing don't make sense. The things that Dr. Fauci is advising are not based in science anymore. This is, this is theater. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. And the last thing that just, you, you're not going to be able to get a reasonable conclusion to is when you already have emergency use authorization and the vaccine in question or the treatment in question, depending on how you want to label this thing, drops in efficacy so badly after six, seven months. So you know it's not that effective. And you already had it on emergency use authorization to deal with the present emergency. And there's no long-term safety data that's been actually completed and no long-term animal testing that's been completed, all brought all the way to fruition with positive results. How does the FDA grant full authority and full approval? I that That makes no sense to me whatsoever is... You should wait until the long-term trials are done. If the long-term trials aren't done, you already have emergency use authorization. I get you want to mandate people to have it, but here's the reality. Even now, people aren't going to get it. You might see like one out of 10 people that don't have the vaccine yet will go get it because it's fully approved. 
Yeah, maybe. And, and I don't think it's that high. Because yeah. I think when you ask somebody why, they're like, well, it's it's just it's not even fully approved yet, so I'm waiting. It's just a really nice way for us to avoid the argument with you. That's exactly. all. It's it's all it is. It's a really nice way for me to just not get into this with you whatsoever because I don't want to. Because I don't need some rando stranger yelling at me about how I don't how I'm a killing their grandma and putting their children at risk when I I've seen the data. No, I'm not. Sorry. Nope. It's a crazy town. We're living a clown. We're we basically inside live a, a in big amazing ten. Amazing times. Yeah. These sure. are truly like think about what this the implications of this of the FDA just authorized and approved a treatment with no long-term safety data, not even on emergency use authorization. Folks, keep in mind, normal turnaround time for a vaccine to be approved is 10 years. That's full approval. We already had emergency use authorization, so please don't tell me it's because the situation is so dire and we don't have time to wait. We already had emergency use authorization. Unless your situation is vaccine hesitancy, and then you're just trying to cross off all the uh, reasons that uh, people won't get it and think that this is actually going to move the needle at all, but it's not. So Not significantly, I no, wouldn't expect. I don't think so. Like I said, I think this is just kind of a way to fast-track the boosters and uh, allow certain entities to be able to mandate this, and uh, you know the FDA just kind of bowed to their pressure. So I don't know. Do you guys get well, the jab if you want the jab. It's not like the FDA ever approved a... Uh, COVID treatment before that had zero positive impact on mortality and was later acknowledged by the World Health Organization to have absolutely no impact on still being used. Still approved. That's right. Remdesivir is still approved, even though not one trial ahead of time said it had any impact on mortality. None. But at least it costs like $3,000 a treatment. So good for uh, who made made Remdesivir? Uh, I don't remember. uh, one of these god awful yeah, companies. It, no, it wasn't Gilead. I don't think. Oh, uh, well, I think it was Gilead. Um, all right. Well, all right. Well, folks, that's gonna wrap it up here for us. Uh, we'll get you out of here. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed the uh, show here. Um, please uh, again share this video. Hit that thumbs up. Spread the word. We need the uh, the, the views and the subscribers. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. Pump that algorithm. Pump the algorithms, and uh, we will see you all again next Monday.